here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. It's time to take note, America, of those who are our so-called leaders and those who wish to be our so-called leaders. And it's this. There are two countries where there's a potential war, Russia and China. The great direct threat to us is communist China. So let me talk about that first. It is important for you to take note of which congressmen, which senators, which presidents, which would-be presidents, presidential candidates, get this right. You know, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, people asked, well, how could this happen? We have the experience of Pearl Harbor. The experience of Pearl Harbor and other attacks on the United States to guide us. Now's the time for real leadership. Now's the time for real statesmen. And I'm not seeing too many of them, quite frankly. Which candidate today, among the Republicans, announced or unannounced, is insisting that we significantly increase defense spending without a whole bunch of footnotes about, well, we got to make sure this. Which one? None that I'm aware of. Zero. Which one? It's very unpopular today with all the problems we face from inflation, from the open border, critical race theory, what's going on with our children, the difficulty for so many people in this country to make ends meet. But that's when you need real leaders and real statesmen. 
Prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor, our grandparents and great-grandparents were in the Great Depression. Were they made of stronger stuff than the rest of us? Because I'm starting to think in many cases, yes. Yes. But in many cases, no, also. We had the same kind of movement with Democrats and Republicans prior to us being attacked at Pearl Harbor. And isolationism, a pacifism, even in the face of Imperial Japan rising, conquering, even in the face of fascist Italy rising and conquering, even in the face of Nazi Germany rising, conquering, spreading. We have to accept for reality what's taking place. Not to start a war, but to protect us. This is not a priority. With senators, it's not a priority. With Chuck Schumer, who runs the Senate, it's not a priority. With Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, hasn't been a priority for decades. And as best as I can tell, it's not a priority with many, many people who many of you support in the House of Representatives. Well, we're pushing wokeism. Well, we're doing that. I got it. But that's not an excuse to accept defeat should a war break out. The logic is unbelievable. Our borders open, so we should be pacifists and isolationists. We have the lousiest generals and admirals one can think of out of the Pentagon anyway. And so we should flatline our defense spending. No, we should remove the generals and admirals as soon as we can. I heard Donald Trump talk about this the other day. Maybe it was today in a video that he released. But here's the point. Is anybody who wants to be president... Forget about the idiot who's in the Oval Office. Anybody going to speak out on the Republican side in a coherent and comprehensive way about the need to rebuild our military. There is no way the Communist Chinese should have more ships than we have. No way. We used to have a 600-ship Navy under Reagan. It's now under 300 ships. Under 300 ships. With more obligations and more responsibilities throughout the world. We're running out of ammunition because of the Russia, the Russia's war on Ukraine. And so the answer is what? To cut off Ukraine? No, the answer is we need to build up our industrial ability to manufacture what we need 
whether it's to help Ukraine, but most importantly, to help ourselves. Recruitment in the United States Armed Forces is at a record low. We're missing our targets. We don't have enough pilots, for God's sakes. Who among the Republicans is leading the charge on this? Nobody. Because they're scared. Of you. Not you, you, but you know what I mean. This is cyclical. That we're in a period of pacifism. The enemy knows it. The enemy knows our history. The enemy's on the rise. And they intend to take advantage of this and exploit it. The admiral in charge of our naval forces in the Pacific. He again has warned today. We are not sufficiently prepared. Should China invade Taiwan, we are not sufficiently prepared. Should China take out a U.S. vessel? And nobody knows this better than Xi, the communist Chinese. What are we doing? People can throw around names, Warhawk, Neocons, Chicken, whatever. I am behind this microphone. I think I have a public responsibility to help protect our liberty and your children and your grandchildren. These wars, big wars, big wars with big powers and big weapons. Not using satellite wars or proxy wars. Direct wars are monstrous. Your children and grandchildren won't be a volunteer army. It'll be a draft. Monstrous. We should do everything we can to avoid this. But we should never surrender our liberty. That should never be the choice. Our enemies should fear us. They should fear that we are so powerful with the biggest navy on the face of the earth. More planes and pilots. Plenty of ammunition to take care of whatever we need to take care of that they don't even dare think about taking us on directly or indirectly. But that's not where we are today. So who are the great leaders and statesmen on this issue? Where are they? Then we turn to Russia. This is embarrassing. The number of people in this country and in the Republican Party and pseudo-intellectuals and pseudo-conservatives who pretend that Russia is benign is shocking. How many of you have relatives, direct bloodlines, who fought in World War II in Europe? I do. Do you? Most of you do. Well, we're not imperialists. We're not colonialists. We didn't take all that land and keep it to ourselves. We gave it back. 
We helped build up these countries through the Marshall Plan. We didn't take Patton's advice and turn our guns on Russia. I heard some guy, Jerry somebody or other, who the host called a superstar for the Wall Street Journal. I don't know him. It's a British accent. And he said Russia would never invade Poland or a NATO country. It just wants Ukraine. And we know that because it invaded Ukraine. Now, this had to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. In order to get to Poland, they pretty much have to go through Ukraine. But why don't they listen to what Vladimir Putin says? Why don't they read what he's written? Just to, just to blow this off, to broom it, like, well, no, it's not an issue, it's not going to The fact of the matter is, that is his plan. And you know who knows it? The Polish Prime Minister knows it. The Romanian Prime Minister knows it. The leader of Finland knows it. The leader of Sweden knows it. The leaders of the Balkan states know it. That's why they're providing everything they have to the Ukrainians. The Ukrainian people are fighting for their survival. And they're doing a hell of a job. How many people have we given weapons to where we've actually had to fight their wars? We don't have to fight the Ukrainian defense against the Russians. They're fighting it themselves. And if we stop supporting them, they will lose. They will be massacred. And the Russians will line up their tanks and anything else they have on the border with these other countries. They know it. The Russians know it. History tells us so. But why would you chance it? The Russians are bogged down in Ukraine. Nobody thought it was possible but the Ukrainians. They're bogged down in Ukraine. They've had, I've read, 60,000, 100,000 casualties. And then I hear Republicans positioning themselves, trying to figure out what to say about this. And they have mostly settled on, we spent enough money, we don't have a plan for ending the war, this can't go on forever, it's going on one year. So, we need to withdraw our funds. Then what happens? Russia rolls through Ukraine, then what happens? They have no idea. None. Apparently they don't care. They haven't thought it out. But they know that many of you, even though we haven't lost anybody in that war, that you don't want to do it anymore. What does China say when we do this? China says they think Ukraine's tough. Wait until they see what we do with Taiwan. What does Iran say? Okay, now's the time. Attack Israel. In other words, people who claim to be concerned about war and provocation 
will create World War III and endless provocations. Peace through strength. What do you think that means? Reagan started it. Trump picked up on it. Peace through strength. It's not peace through appeasement. Peace through pacifism. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. The Soviet Union was defeated without a direct war. How did that happen? I really credit, among others, Reagan, Weinberger, and Kirkpatrick. Three truly great leaders and people. What do you think they would say today? What do you think they would say? Pope John Paul II, tremendous man. Lady Thatcher, tremendous woman. Helmut Kohl, great chancellor of Germany. That's who defeated the Soviet Union. By building up our militaries, other than Rome, obviously, building up our militaries, working together, not taking back steps, and economically crushing them. More on this when I return. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. 
You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. The attack on Pearl Harbor, how did we not see it coming? Some did see it coming. But they were silenced. They were intimidated. They didn't have a platform. I believe China is going to engage in a military conflict with the United States. They wouldn't be doing what they're doing if they weren't. They don't need to build up their armed forces the way they have, quite frankly, to control the South China Sea. Or even their whole entire region. And their, the bases they've built far outside their own region the effort to control the Panama Canal, Solomon Islands, West Africa, those are all aimed at us. Stealing our technology to use it against. I mean, I don't know what else we need to slap us in the face here. I mentioned Reagan and Weinberger and Kirkpatrick. I mentioned Margaret Thatcher, John Paul II. Chancellor Helmut Kohl, I should have mentioned it, State Hague, and then Schultz. This was the greatest foreign policy team in modern history. Both in our country and outside our country. Were they globalists? No, they were realists. Foreign policy and national security is not about ideology. It's about realism. It's about prudence. Same thing frankly, is the way law enforcement should be handled. It shouldn't be about ideology. Same thing about the right to bear arms. shouldn't be about ideology. It's a right you have to protect yourself. There are evil forces. There are evil people. There are evil countries. There's evil regimes. That's the way it is. We have evil in our streets. And so we have laws against those evil acts. It doesn't stop at the border. It gets worse. Much worse. If China were to attack Taiwan today, what would we do? What would we do? China would surround Taiwan, I'll tell you right now, with its navy. It would have surface-to-air missiles, a whole lot. They won't run out of missiles. They have a massive infantry. Taiwan's only about 90 miles away or less. And they will overwhelm that island. Now, some of you might say, why does that matter to us? Why does Ukraine matter to us? Why does anything matter to us? And these are the people who will get us into World War III. These are the people who will get us into World War III. Look what happened after Afghanistan, our surrender there. What did Putin do? He invaded Ukraine. I don't believe he would have, but for what we did in Afghanistan. Imagine what would happen if we just walked away from Ukraine. How all our enemies would would view that. Just incredible. 
Soviet Union was defeated by people who understood national security, foreign policy, defense of like mind. States leaders, Reagan, Thatcher, Cole, John Paul II, Weinberger, Kirkpatrick, Haig, Schultz. Not a pacifist among them. Where are they today? In our country. Where's Reagan? Oh, oh, get over Reagan, I'm told, by the geniuses at Newsweek and in Texas. Oh, okay, Weinberger, forget about Weinberger. Kirkpatrick, forget about all these people. They brush history. They have all the answers. The barely pubescent wannabe experts, wannabe popular, want to be known, want to be famous. They have all the answers, just like the Marxists. All the answers. Forget about knowledge and experience in history. And of course, close your eyes to the threat of Xi. Close your eyes to the threat of Putin. Well, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what it costs me. In terms of listeners and viewers and readers, I don't care. 90% of the chips that we use in this country, computer chips, are made in Taiwan. 90%. It's a big problem. And so there is an effort underway in the United States to try and fix that so that we can build chips here. But they're nowhere close to that yet. We talk about shortages of food, shortages of oil and natural gas and electricity. If we don't have computer chips, nothing works. It's almost like taking down the electrical grid. Computer chips are in everything, including everything respecting our national security, our communications, our businesses, our vehicles and mobility, our GPS systems. Everything's been, quote-unquote, modernized from farming to ranching. Well, that comes to an end. Did you know that China is quickly trying to build its own chip industry with stolen technology from the United States and assistance from U.S. companies? Why do you think they're doing that? And this idiot in the White House, the Manchurian president, he wants us to rely on China for batteries, for transportation, for our vehicles. Because we don't have the capacity to make those batteries because we're not mining even areas where we have some of these materials, but most of it is overseas. In the Congo, in Afghanistan, in Ukraine, in China. Where's it going to come from?
China will blackmail us. China will control the South China Sea. China will threaten us. What are you going to do about it, they're going to say. I am very, very gravely concerned about the the ability and the competence of this administration when it comes to anything, let alone national security. But I am deeply troubled by my own party. And some of the individuals who would dismiss the lessons that we learned from the greatest practitioners of national security and defense, whether it be Thatcher or Reagan or their or their appointees. So, you know, I, I, you want to know how to win a massive landslide vote? Pay attention to what Reagan did. The Democrats embrace Franklin Roosevelt, individuals like that. We blow off Ronald Reagan, who got massive popular vote, massive electoral college vote, restarted the American economy and brought capitalism back, which was under attack from decades of Democrat rule. Muscled up the United States military. Our spending on defense averaged under Reagan 5.7% of the gross domestic product. Our spending on defense today is about 2.7%. It's less than, excuse me, it's, it's less than half of the GDP that we spent when Reagan was president. And China's on the ride. Well, we spend a lot more in China. We really don't know what China spends. China lies about what it spends. We take their information. And on top of that, it would be impossible to compare the two because China doesn't pay its people the wages we do, even though we don't pay them enough. Don't worry about medical care and pensions and all the rest. But even worse, China's military is its civil society. That is, private companies are not private. They're part of the military. Everything's part of the military. That's not true here. So when I started the program, what I said to you was this, and then we'll move along. I want you to write down the names of the people who are running for president. As this process goes on, who do not bring to your attention the threats that we face or who just spew the pacifist pablum about we don't need to be helping Ukraine, uh, we spend enough on the military, write those names down. Because when it comes to a head one day, whether it's next year or five years or eight years, whenever it is, You'll remember, they were the Neville Chamberlains. They were the people who provoked World War. They're the people who forced your kids and grandkids into a draft. 
many of whom won't come home. History does repeat itself. Nobody knows that better than Xi. He cites Chinese history and empires all the time. Nobody knows that better than Putin. Even though he does it illegitimately, he cites Russian history all the time. We're busy destroying our history. And even those who claim to want to know our history, for some reason they forget all about the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. For some reason they forget all about the Cold War and how Reagan and Thatcher and John Paul II, Weinberger, Kirkpatrick and the rest defeated the Soviet Union. And if you dare to bring it up now, the spitballers are out there. What about our border? What does our border have to do with this? What about what's going on in Ohio? It's horrific what's going on in Ohio. What does that have to do with this? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Joe Biden goes to Poland, then he goes to Ukraine, he meets Zelensky, then he goes back to Poland, gives a big speech. Joe Biden did this for politics. And the media are in there defending him. These various media platforms are attacking anybody who says that he's done it for politics. These will wind up in Joe Biden commercials. Now, why am I saying this? Biden was very late to give weaponry to the Ukrainians as Russia was building up its forces on the border. Very late. And that helped provoke them too. He's not giving today Ukraine the kind of weapons it needs to defeat the Russian army. I don't mean to go into Russia. They have one arm tied behind their backs. I'm not talking about the amount of money. I'm talking about the type of weapons. He's always too late, by two or three months. And that costs a lot of lives in Ukraine, too. Look at Taiwan. We know Taiwan's going to be invaded. We know it's going to be attacked. Taiwan knows it. Taiwan paid us $19 billion for weapons. And they have been waiting for 14 months for Biden to deliver them the weapons they already paid us for that's in our bank account. And he won't do it. 
I don't want to hear about Biden the hero. He's not a hero. He doesn't act like a man who really wants to put an end to this thing. Biden the hero. Listen to this. He's in Poland today. Cut five. Go. The kind of possibilities that come when people who live not in captivity but in freedom. 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 There is no sweeter word than freedom. There is no nobler goal than freedom. There's no higher aspiration than freedom. Americans know that and you know it. It is a word that he never uses in the United States, and I've pointed this out on multiple occasions. Freedom. Because when it comes to freedom, you don't think of Joe Biden. When it comes to the iron fist of government, you think of Joe Biden. When, you, when it comes to executive orders that trample separation of powers, you think of Joe Biden, not freedom. When it comes to free speech, you don't think of Joe Biden. You think of censorship. Freedom. Freedom to protest at abortion clinics. Is that what Joe Biden believes in? Freedom to run a business and not be harassed by the bureaucracy. And not have to pay confiscatory taxes. Is that what Joe Biden believes in? Freedom for little babies. That are aborted at the last second. Is that what Joe Biden believes in? How about the Declaration of Independence? When's the last time he's read that? Or the Constitution? Freedom. Joe Biden doesn't believe in freedom. Believes in tyranny. In my view... Now they're trying to compare him, you won't believe it, to Abraham Lincoln, to James Madison, to George Washington after his visit to Kiev, Michael Beschlosh, who has his head so far up Biden's ass it's coming out of his right nostril. No offense. Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, James Madison, the author of the Constitution, George Washington, the father of our country, Joe Biden. Is this a joke? Tom Nichols is a low IQ mouthpiece. He's at the Atlantic, often on the morning schmo show, speaking of. Praising Biden, very active and vital guy, Biden, for walking through an actual war zone. You know, Trump did that on several occasions. DeSantis fought in an actual war zone. So did Pompeo. They don't get that kind of treatment. Remember when Biden went to the southern border and they cleaned everything up so it wouldn't look so bad? You're not allowed to say those sirens went off. It's a war zone. The sirens hadn't gone off for five days. I don't trust any of this. I don't trust any of these guys. Sorry. Maybe they went off for real. Maybe not. I'll be back.
This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I think one of the big problems we have here, of course, is Biden changes the equation for a lot of people. The argument, for instance, we defend Ukraine's border but won't secure our own. It's not because we don't have the resources. It's not because we're aiding Ukraine. It's because Biden and the Democrats don't want to secure our border. But we want to secure our border. You and I. And I think we can agree, most of us anyway, that we don't want Russia rolling through Ukraine. So you can want and support both of those things. But Biden creates a different scenario. Biden has offered to help the Polish build nuclear power plants. But you couldn't build a nuclear power plant in America if your life depended on it. So why would he help the Poles build a nuclear power plant, one or more, and prevent us from doing it? Why does he attack energy independence here? It's a good question. So he creates a scenario like that. We could build nuclear power plants here and help the Poles build nuclear power plants. With their own money. So I want you to listen to this Michael Beschlosch. Rather than me describe, you got to hear this. And this was a campaign event. That doesn't mean that Zelensky didn't want it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not a shot in the arm to the people who could see it, although electricity is an issue over there, obviously. But this, Biden is not arming the Ukrainians for a victory, he's arming them, he hopes, so they don't lose. And by the way, if I had told you yesterday, no, no, if I had told you two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, that for $100 billion, about $8.5 billion a month, that the Russian army would be all but destroyed, would you think that's a pretty fair wager, Mr. Producer? And that we wouldn't have to lift a finger with our, with our men and women in uniform fighting there? I think you would have been astonished. We owe the Ukrainian people a lot. Oh, we give them a... They are putting their lives on the line, ladies and gentlemen. They do not want to be... They do not want to be an appendage of Russia. They want their freedom. They know what the Russians did to them. 
I guess it's 89 years ago. They know. They want nothing to do with it. Here's Michael Beschlosh on MSNBC. He, the New York Times, others humiliating themselves. Go ahead. To find a, a day of this kind of presidential bravery in a war zone, you've got to go all the way back to 1864, July, when Abraham Lincoln, as president, went to see Confederate soldiers who were firing on Washington, D.C., uh, on the brink of taking it over. But nobody was firing on Kiev. Why do you think the Russians were given a head up, a heads up, America? Why do you think no missiles landed in Kiev when Biden was there? Why did the sirens go off at exactly the moment the guy's walking through the town square with Zelensky? Do they even seem phased by it? Does the Secret Service seem phased by it? Nobody seems phased by it. I'm just saying. I'd say let's get the hell out of here and duck. And so would everybody else. And the Secret Service would be grabbing Biden by the arm and dragging him somewhere. There were no attacks on Kiev. Nothing. Prior to that, Siren, you could hear the sparrows sing. Assuming they have sparrows. And I don't need to listen to the media, the cover-up media, the phony media, the there-is-no-laptop media, and all the rest. I don't need to hear from them. By the way, this mediaite has become Media Matters. If I were Media Matters, I would sue Dan Abrams and his toupee, as well as everybody over there at Mediaite, for stealing the kind of vile, poisonous, corrupt posts that Media Matters used to singularly do. Now, now Mediaite does it. All right, go ahead. Uh, Lincoln got up and some guy behind him who didn't know it was the president said, get down, you fool. And, and, and Lincoln turned around and I wouldn't have liked to be that guy seeing the president's face of, of disdain uh, asking who the guy was. But Lincoln was there to show determination. That sounds ridiculous. Here you have a guy who's 6'4", wearing a hat that's about 12 to 18 inches tall, and he didn't know it was Lincoln. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. War through. 1814, James Madison as president. This is how rare this is. Went to Bladensburg, Maryland, uh, 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 an area that we both know pretty well, Joy. Uh, and there was a battle of Bladensburg. The Brits Joy. were just about. Oh, my God. He's on with Joy Reid. Is that it? Go ahead. Conquer Washington, D.C., just as they were uh, as a, an enemy soldier group of enemy soldiers was in 1864. So James Madison went on the battlefield and said, you know, I'm president. I'm showing how determined we are to resist the Brits. Nobody shot a damn thing into Kiev when Biden was there. Nobody. He gives two examples that don't even apply. Lincoln on the battlefield. While Confederate soldiers were firing, he says, on Washington, D.C. Madison, at the Battle of Bladensburg. At the Battle of Bladensburg. Excuse me, Madison. I'm sorry. 
taking on the British, resisting the British. Where the British were firing. Nobody was firing. Look at this. Look at this. That's a historian. Then we have Tom Nichols, another moron. At the Atlantic, he's on the morning schmo show. Cut seven, go. This was the Joe Biden that's not supposed to exist. This, you know, very um, um, active and vital guy. You know, um, you know, it's amazing. These guys are so obsessed with their party and their ideology. Isn't it the Joe Biden that fell off his bicycle, Mr. Producer? He's so vital. There's a report out today he intends to run his campaign this time as he ran it last time from the basement of his home in Wilmington, Delaware. He's so vital. He barely went out on the campaign road. He's so vital. He's gone on home 40% of the time. That's how vital he is. It's unbelievable. Go ahead. Punishing schedule. I mean, I, I got tired just thinking. I've done, you it's know. Punishing smoke. schedule? <laughs> you know, Joe. You <laughs> Go ahead. With politicians. I got tired just thinking about the schedule. Um, You're a moron. I'm tired of you. So there you have it. Joe Biden, the great, the great emancipator. Joe Biden, our modern Abraham Lincoln. Joe Biden, our modern James Madison. But, you know, Madison had some slaves, but of course Joe Biden was a racist and segregationist at one point. Joe Biden, he's even George Washington. There's a man who was on a few battlefields, but not as president. Joe Biden. It's unbelievable to me. That town square was cleaned out the way that the southern border was cleared out when Joe Biden went there to see what's going on. I'm down here to... Oh, we need an interpreter for Joe to see what's going on on the southern border. So they clean out all the cages... They clean out all the streets. They create a Potemkin village. You've heard of that, haven't you, Beshlosh and Nichols? They create a Potemkin village, a fake town. Well, everything looks like it's going on here. The border looks secure to me. Okay, great. Now, I want you to watch the clip next time they show it, or on the, online. When those sirens kick in. When Biden's shuffling and Zelensky's walking next to him. I want you to to see their reaction. There's no reaction whatsoever. That's not normal. Don't you look in the sky? Don't you talk to each other? What the hell's not a word? I want you to look what the Secret Service does. They're not even in the picture. They're not even in the video. But don't worry. Michael Beschlosh. Tom Nichols, the morning schmo, they got it all figured out, ladies and gentlemen. The rest of the press, too. Over there at the New York Slimes, they got it figured out. Oh. So why did they tell the Russians that he would be there a couple hours before he was there? Why did they do that? Plan, this trip was planned for months, they said. Why did they tell the Russians? 
If you were afraid that Putin would take out and assassinate Biden, would you tell Putin, Mr. Producer? I wouldn't, would you? No! By the way, our president's going to be there. Really? What time? In three hours and 12 minutes. Oh, okay. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, really? No, I don't think so. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, when the going gets tough, you can count on big business to have your back. Well, not really. You certainly can't. Because we all know big business, especially big wireless business, is going to lock you down into multi-year contracts with huge penalties. Not Pure Talk, no. The no-contract wireless company. And the only wireless company to offer 100% money-back guarantee. That's right. Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their ultra-fast, 5G service that if you don't, they'll give you your money back. So instead of paying a fortune to Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy. Supporting a company that's veteran-owned and shares your values and who has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let me show you how out of touch Biden and the left are in his, his government. Where Biden was actually needed was in East Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. Not because he can do anything, but he's in charge of the EPA. He's in charge of the federal efforts to try and help those Americans. Abraham Lincoln the new Abraham Lincoln, the new George Washington, the new James Madison, facing down bullets and cannons and jets and missiles. It's a vibrant man. It's almost been three weeks since this train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. 19 days. It took them almost two years to go to the southern border after they created a Potemkin village. He doesn't want to be seen being hollered at by the people there. That's, that's a bad optic. And Nancy Pelosi knows all about optics. Why do you think Pete Buttigieg isn't there yet? Guy wants to run for president one day. That's a bad optic, man. Bad. And hey, the EPA goes down there and he drinks the water. Everybody today and tonight is pointing out what I pointed out yesterday. The Environmental Protection Agency is incapable of protecting the environment. It's not populated with scientists and experts. Oh, there's some of those. It's not populated with labs with, you know, 
flasks and Bunsen burners. and all. It's not. Most of the work the EPA does is contracted out. The vast majority is contracted out. That's why when this thing happened early on, they said, we're relying on the railroad because the EPA is a massive, bloated, top-heavy bureaucracy. That's what it is. And its main goal is not clean water and clean air. Its main goal is to redistribute wealth, to destroy private property rights, and to provoke climate change, that is, the reduction of our economic prosperity and substitute socialism for capitalism. That is its mandate. That is what it's doing. So when something like this happens in East Palestine, Ohio, it's... The railroad. Oh, okay. Everybody can come back. Okay, okay. And that's what's going on. Ask the people who live in and around Flint, Michigan, how the EPA responded. Ask them. Ask them. And by the way, this goes for the state equivalent of the EPA, too. What are they doing? Now, I know we can't have immediate answers. These things take time and so forth and so on. But it's almost three weeks now. And the highest civilian in the Biden administration is show up as the EPA administrator. Where's the vice president? Secretary of Transportation. Nowhere. They all want to be president. They don't want their hands on this. The EPA has been on the ground. The EPA has been on its back. I'll be right back. You know, when the going gets tough, you can count on big business to have your back. Well, not really. You certainly can't. Because we all know big business, especially big wireless business, is going to lock you down into multi-year contracts with huge penalties. Not pure talk, no. The no-contract wireless company. And the only wireless company to offer 100% money-back guarantee. That's right. Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their ultra-fast 5G service that if you don't, they'll give you your money back. So instead of paying a fortune to Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy. Supporting a company... That's veteran-owned and shares your values and who has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. So, Mr. Producer, it looks like a Sour Lemon went into a re-education camp um, for his insensitivity towards women. Re-education camp. Um, because he said that uh, women are not in their prime in their 40s. Now, he was backed up by by Karen Whoopi Goldberg. She felt the same way. 
two geniuses. How come she didn't go into a re-education camp? Do, uh, what is it, ABC and her syndicate, do they uh, back up what Karen Whoopi Goldberg had to say? I mean, the view is aimed at women. That's what it's aimed at. It's particularly aimed at stupid women. May I say that? Yes, whether they're in their prime or not. You have to have a low IQ or want a low IQ to watch that program. And so um, it's a program for the stupid. Women, male, transitioning, confused, bi, tri, quai, whatever. And uh, I'm just asking the question, how come Sour Lemon has to go to a uh, re-education sensitivity training and uh, Karen Whoopi Goldberg does not? By the way, is Karen Whoopi Goldberg older than 40? No offense, she certainly looks it. She in her 60s or 70s? Well, I won't say she's past her prime because that would be rude. But if I did, I assume she'd agree with me. Um, Nikki Haley's 51 years old. That's pretty young for a presidential candidate. She's 67? Well, she doesn't look a day over 66. Actually, she looks more like 77. That's just me. Look, I think that's a good thing age and so forth and so do they i mean look they back biden who's uh, 80 years old going on uh, 112 so uh that's okay the truth is nikki haley was wrong biden was an incompetent boob at a very young age his age has just sort of shown it physically but between his ears biden was always soft he was always applesauce he lied his way into the senate lied his way around the senate and that's what appealed to barack obama he said i need the biggest liar the biggest fraud the biggest pathetic dude i could find and there's nobody better than biden the dumbest man in the senate to make a radical like Obama looked good. That's the way Obama viewed it. He said, geez, I got to have a vice president. I'm good enough, smart enough. I don't need a vice president. I can do both jobs. I'm Barack Mailhouse Benito Obama. And he says, let me find a flunky. Let me find a flunky who can roam the halls of the White House and kind of stay out of my face. He said, I've worked around Joe Biden long enough to know that guy is the definition of a moron. So he'd be a perfect vice president, as so many vice presidents are morons. Uh, He's got all the skills necessary. He rambles. He's a narcissist like me, says Obama. Uh, He's a joke. We can dismiss him rather easily. We can confuse him, locking doors, you know changing the signs on the men's room and make it the ladies room we're gonna have a good time with joe which is why he didn't endorse joe for president when he was running so why you're very late in the primary i know this guy is a real schmuck anyway uh 
So there we have Joe Biden. The hell was I talking about, Mr. Producer? I was having too much fun. Don Lemon. That's right. Sour Lemon. So uh, Don Lemon has sensitivity training. You know, they didn't even do that to Bill Clinton. They just knew the guy was a rapist. He was a molester. He was a, he was a pig. They just knew. They didn't send him to sensitivity training. They never sent Biden to sensitivity training, despite the fact that a former young staffer of his, Tara Reid, said that he molested her. No, no, we don't believe that. Do you, Dr. Jill? Not at all. Okay. We'll dismiss that. I don't even think. Ted Kennedy had sensitivity training after Chappaquiddick. I think he would have said, great, I'll take it. I'll do whatever I have to do. No, no sensitivity. Tra- but Don Lemon gets sensitivity training. Don. Don, can you hear me? Don. Don, I want to give you some friendly advice. Are you there, Don? you got to be listening in like everybody else. Don, here's my friendly advice. Accuse everybody of sexism and racism. Whoopi Goldberg, say sexism. And then point out Ted Kennedy, Bill Clinton, Joe Biden, racism, racism. That's what you can do. Get out of this. Forget about the sensitivity training. It's not going to hold with you anyway. You're utterly and completely uh, hopeless. You're insensitive. Just do that. Do that. I recommend that strongly. You can go to MSNBC. You know, CNN has no numbers anyway, partly in thanks to you. So you can go, Donnie, you can go over to MSNBC and you can join the likes of The Morning Schmo, Al Sharpton. Look, any, any network that will hot listen. Listen to me, Donnie. Any network that will hire Al Sharpton, they will hire you and they're certainly not going to fire you. Any network that has somebody as stupid as Joe Biden, you will no longer be the stupidest guy on that network on CNN. You'll be the second stupidest guy on MSNBC because there's always Joe Biden. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. Joe Biden. Joe Biden's picked Susan Rice to be his enforcer to implement critical race theory throughout the federal bureaucracy. Red State points out somebody using the pseudonym of strife. Now, I told you about this executive order that Joe Biden signed. Nobody was talking about it. Now they're all talking about it. And that's good. He signed it last Thursday, an executive order embedding the tenets of critical race theory into the operations of the federal government. It's called Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government. Racial equity means the opposite of racial equity. It means racial discrimination. It means racism. So they're going to create agency equity teams. I want you to listen to this. This is why the people in East Palestine, Ohio. I didn't know there was a West Palestine, but East Palestine, Ohio. That's why they don't get the help that they need. They're busy working in Washington, D.C. on equity. And what about the people in East Palestine, Ohio? 
Apparently, they don't count. They're not part of the equity definition. They're privileged, I believe, most of them. I don't know that for a fact, but under the federal government's new sort of model and approach, those are privileged people who dominate society. So the agencies are going to have equity teams that report to Susan Rice. That can't go wrong. Shall be led by a designated senior official charged with implementing my administration's equity initiatives and shall include senior officials from the office of the agency of blah, 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 blah. Agency equity teams shall include a combination of competitive service employees, but they will be headed by the chief diversity officer. Wow. Imagine having that gig. And they will coordinate with the Gender Policy Council. (sighs) So the agency equity team will have a chief diversity officer who will coordinate with the Gender Policy Council, who no doubt has a chief gender person. What do you do for a living? I am the chief gender person at the... Department of Energy. Wow, that's pretty cool. Are you accusing me of something? No, 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 no. I said it's cool. What are you trying to say? I I, I said what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say anything. I said I'm the chief diversity person at the Department of Energy, and you gave me that look. What look? That look. You know what look. What kind of person are you? I'm the chief diversity officer. Don't ever ask me what kind of person I am. That's none of your business. I'm going to report you to the Gender Policy Council. The Gender Policy Council? Yes. Gender Policy? You're going to report me to the... Yes, we are. Well. Diversity, inclusion, and equity are now the policy of the federal government... It's a good policy, they say. Uh, and uh, not everyone can, can qualify, of course. Number one, if you're straight, you're not diverse. Number two, if you're white, there's no equity. Number three, if you're a male, you're the devil. So there you go. That's the trifecta. That's what they mean. That's really what they mean. I'll be right back. Mark in. You know, when the going gets tough, you can count on big business to have your back. Well, not really. You certainly can't. Because we all know big business, especially big wireless business, is going to lock you down into multi-year contracts with huge penalties. Not pure talk, no. The no-contract wireless company. And the only wireless company to offer 100% money-back guarantee. That's right. Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their ultra-fast 5G service that if you don't, they'll give you your money back. So instead of paying a fortune to Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy. Supporting a company... That's veteran-owned and shares your values and who has you covered with a money-back guarantee. 
Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L E V I N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you were born in California 2007 or later, there's a bill that's been introduced that would bar you from ever buying a tobacco product. What could go wrong with that? I think the drug cartels will get into the tobacco business, Mr. Producer. Now, you can buy all the pot you want, all the marijuana. You can buy all the booze you want. You can rob stores, maybe even maim and kill people, perhaps rape them in the front door, out the back door. But if you're caught with a cigar, baby, if you're caught with a cigarette, they're going to throw the book at you. This is the insanity that is California. This is the police state that's California. Unbelievable. 1984. There it is. California. Remember the old song, California, here I come. Everybody wanted to move to California. Everybody did from the East Coast. Now it's, oh, my God. How the hell do I get out of here? Took the Democrats 20 years to destroy what I would argue is the greatest state in the country for entrepreneurship, for agriculture, for athletics, for whatever, because it's a massive state. And they take the greatest state and they absolutely destroy it. And now they want to impose that on the rest of the country. Unbelievable. Yes, California, land of the free, you know. There's Biden. Freedom! 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 How much time do I have? I see that the Chris Sununu was on one of my favorite shows. Obviously on another sugar high. All we have to do is meet them halfway. All we have to do is, is cut a deal. We can't do extremism. All we have... To, there you go. Is that guy going to be able to face down what we're facing in this country? Here's Larry Hogan on Meet the Depressed Sunday. They love repubics like this. Cut. Eight. Go. My question to you is not whether this is a legitimate issue to be talking about. It's about whether this is the main issue or not. Do you view this as the main issue for 2024? They're talking no, about I school curriculum. Go ahead. An issue, and I do hear it, and people are concerned about this as I travel around the country because, you know, the, most people just don't think we should be talking about, you know, things like sex to young kids, and the parents want to be more involved in the decisions about what their kids are being taught. However, uh, you know, I think some of this rhetoric is, uh, you know, some, you know, d demanding that things be done a certain way or that you can't say this, or you can't say that. We've got to be really careful. I know. About Does it feel like you're going the other way? Like it, yeah. it's sort of like you're on one hand, you've Governor DeSantis claiming, hey, I don't want all of this, but I'm going to tell you exactly what you can say. And I'm going to tell you what you can't Why say. Why are you well, I'm a such small a damn liar there, Curly? Why are you such a liar? And here's Hogan common sense conservative and to me it sounds like big government and uh oh it's big government oh government schools you see it's big government that tell them to teach math and science and language and and culture and history it's big government big government that tell the teachers stop talking about vaginas and penises to my five-year-old oh that's big government what a schmuck i'll be right back He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. It's a pleasure to have Caroline Glick with us. And um, she's a great columnist, great columnist and articles she's written here in the U.S. and in Israel. And nobody better to ask Caroline Glick, what in the world is going on in the great state of Israel? Well, what's going, first of all, it's great to be on your show again, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, What's happening in Israel is that uh, Israel's uh, unelected elites, are having a temper tantrum because um, for the first time, the majority of Israelis who are not members of the elites and who are center-right are saying that they want to have the power to govern when they actually win elections. Because until now, um, things have just been going along, and um, the deep state, as you refer to it here in the United States, is uh, our permanent bureaucracy is very much in the hands of the left. And initially, it wasn't such a terrible thing because they were patriotic. But just as we see throughout the Western world over the past generation, uh, the left in Israel has become increasingly radicalized. And so it required uh, judicial reform, and uh, because the main focal point of their power is the judiciary and the legal system more generally. We have a rule of lawyers in Israel, not a rule of law. And so uh, this government, the Netanyahu government, ran on a platform of legal reform. And the first item of business when they were elected was to fulfill their pledge to the voters and enact uh, judicial reform and overall legal reform of our system because our our, our judiciary has limitless powers, and they have to have checks and balances placed on them. And so as soon as the government set about fulfilling its commitment to the voters, uh, the left in Israel, both the political left and the entrenched elites, the media, started running a campaign very much like the campaigns that you guys had here in 2020 with riots in the streets, people mimicking Antifa, um, trying to block members of our parliament, the Knesset, from leaving their homes in the morning yesterday to vote on a key vote for the judicial reform legislation that's making its way through the Knesset, Um, and uh, calling for civil war, threatening civil war, uh, calling for economic warfare against Israel, saying that they're going to move their companies out of the country, uh, threatening our markets. Um, so all of this stuff is going on in Israel, and basically it's our economic elites, it's our media elites, and of course our our legal elites are saying that if they can't run the show, then the show is illegitimate. And so that's what we're facing right now in Israel. You know, we've been talking about this on our show, and so the public in this audience is, has some general knowledge of this. And basically, mm-hmm. you have this guy, Barack, he becomes chief justice, mm-hmm. and he changes your country. He eliminates right. any notion of separation of powers. He changes the language, reasonableness, and 
public interest and all the rest. You don't have a constitution. He decides which basic laws are going to rule your country. Uh, there's no standing, so any issue can be brought before the court. So they get involved in strategic military decisions, who can serve in the cabinet. I mean, there's nothing that they won't do and say, and then they claim, as most totalitarians do, that they're doing it on behalf of the people and for the people, when in fact they're doing it in defiance of the people. And typically, you've got the left, and in your case, the left in Israel is really the left, the media is really the left. They wrap themselves in democracy when in fact it's Netanyahu and his government that's trying to bring some balance, some semblance of democracy back to the country, correct? It's true. I mean, what we've seen, what we're seeing uh, today, what we've been seeing over the past two two months since the government came into office, is that they're redefining words so that democracy now means tyranny. Uh, minority rights now means minority or minority tyranny now is uh, proclaimed minority rights. Um, democracy means uh that the minority gets to dictate to the majority what it's supposed to do in order for them to be enlightened and and, and proper. Um, and so, yes, we're seeing a complete, and, and the media in Israel is really a full partner in this propaganda campaign to demonize the government when it's trying to restore democracy. And so, yeah, by the way, what you were saying about our own Barack is absolutely right. I mean, he enacted this uh, constitutional transformation of Israel from a parliamentary democracy into uh, justiceocracy, if you will, or a lawyerocracy. Um, when other most people's heads were turned, but even his left-wing colleagues at the Hebrew University Law School opposed what he did at the time because they said this is a constitutional transformation of the country and you can't do this. Everybody, that's just gone down the memory hole. Nobody even remembers that among people who understood what was happening, this was deeply controversial. Now everybody's lockstep saying that this is that this is the only way to keep democracy, as if for the first 40 years of Israel's uh, history, we weren't a democracy when we were. And um, so what we're seeing now is an effort by Israel's political leaders to take back only some of the powers that the Supreme Court and the uh, public attorneys, the state prosecutor, the attorney general, arrogated to themselves. They seized, without basis in law, from the Knesset and from the government, and they seized it for themselves. Um, and so what we're seeing now is the government and the Knesset trying to take back some of the powers that were seized from them. And the response has been outrageous, and we see it then parroted in the U.S. media uh, and among uh, um, senior members of the Biden administration um, and saying that there's an assault on Israeli democracy and that if the judicial reform goes through to ensure that the pl- that the people's will be done by our elected leaders, that Israel is going to cease being a democracy and that American support for Israel will be in question because it will no longer be a democracy. And, and it's really um, very upsetting and alarming when we see this kind of tantrum at home, riding in the streets, threatening political leaders with death, threatening the country with civil war, and it's being backed by uh, international leaders, by uh, President Biden ostensibly through his ambassador who ordered the the uh, government to pump on the brakes and stop 
Secretary of State Blinken has spoken about this, President Biden, the President of France, and today the UN uh, Human Rights Council all said that they oppose judicial reform in Israel. Why do they Mm -hmm. care? I mean, this is an internal Israeli matter. Why are they opposed to the restoration of democracy in Israel, and why are they siding with one side of a political dispute, a domestic political dispute, about about the, the way that democracy in Israel is supposed to operate? And these are rhetorical questions, I assume, because uh, the old European socialists that founded this government in Israel, well, conservatives started winning, as we call them in the United States. You had Begin, you've got Netanyahu, the longest-serving collectively uh, prime minister. Mm-hmm. And so they figured they could run this government permanently, and they have to do it through the judiciary, which is something Woodrow Wilson said in this country, too, because they know that these people... Uh, are of a certain mindset uniformly all over the world and that they have these belief systems and you also have these uh, these these groups in the United States signing letters and saying them over so there's an, a massive pressure campaign going on against the people of Israel but I, I want to get back to Biden there's mm-hmm. even more that's going on here you know Biden likes to talk about democracy and freedom and so forth But just recently, they went back to this two-state solution. You wrote an entire book on why that's a bad idea, Mm -hmm. but two-state solution. They go back, 1967 boundaries, Thomas Friedman writes, and then you talk about land from there and so forth. And they never talk about what Abbas is doing or what Hamas is doing, the terrorism against the Israel. They never talk about the history of Judea and Samaria. Jews are the only indigenous peoples that are not viewed as indigenous peoples in their own homeland, correct? It's absolutely true, and it's really alarming because, I mean, the the Palestinian national identity, such as it is, is completely uh, appropriated from from the Jewish national identity and Jewish history. Um, They seize our history. If you go to Israel today and you travel through Judea and Samaria— you see some of the most important historical sites for Judeo-Christian civilization. I mean, we're talking about Joshua's altar, when which the children of Israel uh, uh, built after they crossed the Jordan River. We're talking about um, the the places that the Maccabees are buried, where their where their where their uh, uh, palaces were. I mean, we're talking about significant, very important uh, world historic sites, much more important from a Western civilizational perspective than, say, the Banyam statues in Afghanistan that the Taliban blew up. But here you see that UNESCO and all of the organizations that are supposed to care about cultural heritage are on the side of the Palestinians who are systematically annihilating these historical sites. And the EU, actually, they had an internal document that was exposed a month ago that showed that it is the policy of the European Union to help the Palestinians destroy the remnants of Jewish civilization in Judea and Samaria. And they are. They're plowing over some of the most important artifacts. Why? Because they want to appropriate the history of the Jewish people in the land of Israel to themselves. They call themselves Canaanites. They call themselves all sorts of things, Philistines. Um, and they say that they are the, those are their ancestors. It's untrue. There's absolutely no historical basis for these claims. But then they want to 
obliterate, erase the historical record of continuous Jewish settlement in the land of Israel for the past 3,500 years. Um, and so this is something, of course, that the United States should be banging on tables about, right? But instead, they're facilitating it, and efforts on Israel's part to maintain the historical record, whether on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem or throughout Judea and Samaria, the, the, uh, the Americans oppose. And they say that Israel is undermining prospects for peace. So, I mean, this is the kind of upside-down world that you live in when you want to tell yourselves and you base your policy on the myth that Israel is Mm -hmm. responsible for the absence of peace with the Palestinians, when in fact the Palestinians exist in order to deny that the Jews have a right to national self-determination. What did the Biden administration just do with the United Nations Security Council? So that was an interesting kind of. Well, I think I better hold you over. I th- I don't think we have enough time in this segment. So if you can stick with us another segment, I'd love to get into this with you. I'd be uh, happy. We're talking to Caroline Glick, who, as you can tell, is one of the great thinkers and experts on this subject and many more. A uh, longtime friend, and uh, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Our phone system crashed, so we're working on getting Caroline Glick back. The Biden administration has picked up where the Obama administration left off. And uh, I'm sure it won't matter to groups like J Street and secularists and left-wing Democrats who put their party before country, put their party before their faith, put their party before everything. Much like the communists, the party comes first. And so you're to worship the leader of the party, like they worship Xi, whether they like it or not. Or even in the, uh, you know, Cuba and Venezuela and other places like that, you are to treat the party and the head of the party especially as um, almost some kind of deity. And so it doesn't matter if Joe Biden is a feeble-minded, shuffling buffoon. He's the head of the party, and so we back the party. Caroline Glick is back with us now. Uh, Caroline, what happened? And if we, It's a truncated period of time, so it has to carry over yet again, but 
What happened with the U.N. and the Biden administration? So um, the Palestinians, uh, through the UAE, put forward a new uh, anti-Israel resolution in the U.N. Security Council to condemn Israel for um, giving a, 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 a upgraded status to nine Jewish communities in Strand, Samaria. And um, the it, this is sort of a classic Obama move. What they did was... Uh, they said, well, we don't want to have to veto this, so we're going to block it from coming up. And then um, then they blocked it after hanging the, the the threat over Israel for a few days. Well, we don't want to have to vote, veto this. We totally oppose what you're doing in Judea and Samaria, allowing Jews to be connected to uh, electricity and water in their homes. And so we're, we don't want to veto this, even though... Um, you know, we we should because there's no reason why anybody would be coming after you. So then they uh, convinced the Palestinians to um, withhold their resolution. And the Security Council came out with a declaration condemning Israel instead of a resolution. The Biden administration gets congratulated for not having this resolution come forward and Israel gets condemned anyway. Um, and so this is something sort of classic uh, way of being uh, passive aggressive. On the one hand, you say, well, we want to protect you, but you're acting badly. Now, why is Israel acting badly? Nobody ever examines that concept. You know, what is wrong with Jews living in Judea and Samaria? Why is that terrible? It's not illegal. Mike Pompeo made a, a change the position of the State Department on Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria in 2019. Because the previous position that said that they were illegal wasn't aligned with international law. And so he changed that position, said there's nothing inherently illegal about any of this. And yet the Biden administration, just as they want to revert back to opposing Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem, so they want to revert back to this position that Israel's responsible for the absence of peace. And the greatest obstacle to peace is Jews living in communities in their ancestral homeland, in Judea and Samaria. Haven't Palestinians moved into areas there that they're not supposed to be in, even under agreements, and have illegally taken over land in those areas? Well, it's not just that. They're doing it in a strategic way to endanger the Jewish communities. Because, again, you have to understand that Palestinian identity is organized around negating Israel's right to exist and rejecting Israel's right to exist, and by, among other things, killing Israelis in terrorist attacks. So where, you know, use of land is also a strategic weapon to try to uh, make Jews more vulnerable to attack. So what they're doing is they're seizing illegally, and it's all funded by the EU. Um, They're seizing lands really adjacent to the Israeli communities in Judea and Samaria and endangering them in this way. And then when Israel comes in and destroys illegal structures, it's condemned. Caroline Glick, if people want to read you or reach you, where do they go? Well, uh, I'm the uh, senior contributing editor at JNS.org, which is a a Jewish news service. And they can read me there or at my website, carolineglick.com, and at Newsweek. All right. Thank you. Take care. We'll be back. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I want to tell you a little story about a man 
I've known a long time, not that we keep in touch, not that we're bosom buddies, but it's a guy I admire and like. Met him once or twice. Twice. His name is Hal J. WBAP Radio. He's been on there for decades and decades. Great guy. He's had a tough life. He's recovering after spending weeks, NBC, DFW, writes in the hospital receiving a heart transplant that saved his life. I've heard it. I've heard it. It was amazing, he said, as he fought back tears. Just amazing. Hal is husband to Ann Harbuck for almost half a century. So father and a grandfather. He's also a Texas Radio Hall of Fame member who spent 42 years on the air with WBAP 820 AM. He's also lived with heart disease for several years. Congestive heart failure weakened his heart and he couldn't pump blood to the rest of his body. Then came the VTAC. It's a very life-threatening, abnormal heart rhythm, and it causes you to pass out. If it doesn't break, you die from it, said Dr. Shelley Hall. Hal's cardiologist, chief of transplant cardiology at Baylor University Medical Center. An implanted defibrillator that shocked Hal's heart back to a normal rhythm saved his life on a few occasions, but too many shocks weaken his heart. So one problem makes the other problem worse, which makes the first problem worse, and it becomes this horrible spiral. We did everything possible, Hall said, but she knew as her patient Hal J. would need a new heart. Reality set in when on January 10th of this year, at the age of 69, he collapsed at home. That incident put him on the list for a heart transplant, but waiting for one brought more worry and days of waiting. It was a roller coaster. One day he couldn't get a heart because he had too much fluid. Then they got the fluid off and he was going to go home. Then he went into VTAC again, said Ann. That day, January 24, was the day Hal believed he was dying and could feel it happening. I had Ann's hand, his wife. We were face to face. I said, I love you dearly. I love you more than anything in the world, but I'm fixing to die. He looked at me in panic. Panic, his wife said. Panic, had no fear. At that moment, Hal believed he'd win either way. I win, because if I lived, I'm still with Ann and the family. If I die, I'm with Josh. Who was Josh? Josh Harbuck was the couple's oldest son. He was a husband and a father of two. When he died at the age of 36 in a car crash, this was horrible. I remember when it happened. The six-year anniversary of Josh's death came almost on the very day Ann watched Hal struggle to breathe. She said, I was in the corner praying. They had to shock him twice. It was very scary. We're like, we tried. You're going to be in the ICU until it's time for the transplant, Dr. Hall said. He got worse, and we had to accelerate our support, and he got higher on the list. I fully expected it to be six weeks or two months or whatever. As soon as I got to level two, I caught a break, and it happened, I think, within 10 days, Hal said. As Hal stayed at the ICU, he'd been instructed to keep his phone with him. He'd get a phone call when and if a donor's heart became available. Hal said he was in the hospital, and my phone rang. Uh, a phone call that would change his life. This is Stacy White with Baylor's Transplant, and she said, all she said was, this is the call. I just about lost it. I called Ann. 
she'd been staying at his bedside day and night, gone back home to pick up a few things. I'm standing in the parking lot of Target, and he goes, Ann, Ann, I got the call. I went, what? And he goes, I got the call, and so I just started crying. And I said, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. He goes, I'm going into surgery tonight. So the transplant and open heart surgery in which Jay's dying organ will be replaced with a healthy heart from a donor was performed in the wee hours of Saturday, February 3. This year. Four and a half hours later, Hal was back in a room. Nine days later, he was discharged and sent home for good. This is American medicine. Like nothing in the world. Like nothing else in the world. Don't let the government destroy it. Don't let the the phony promises of quality care for nothing. Don't let them destroy it. NBC5 was there doing his first post-surgery follow-up with a visit at Baylor. And uh, he's done phenomenally well, Dr. Hall said. It was all that prep work before he even needed the transplant. He wanted the surgery strong despite having a mechanical pump supporting him, and he came out strong. The heart was working well right away. And I couldn't be more excited to know that. I had no idea. I have a dear, dear friend of mine, a childhood friend, like a brother. My parents treated him like a son. His mother treated me like a son. And to this day, we're as close as can be, even though he's in one place and I'm in another. And he needs a heart transplant. But before he gets one or even gets on the list, he has to improve other aspects of his body in order to get on the list. He just had one knee replacement and he needs another knee replacement because they don't want to do major surgery once you've had a heart transplant. So it's difficult to recover. He recovered from the one and he'll be getting the other soon. And, and by God, I hope he gets that new heart. Because he's suffered long enough. And he is a terrific guy. He is 65. He's been struggling with this a long time. <clears throat> Thankfully, I have a functioning heart. We've had our challenges, but nothing like that. Nothing like that. Captain Art Hardy, San Joaquin County Sheriff. He's at a press conference last week that everybody has ignored but me. I say that to try and get these backbenchers to get their attention, just so you know. There's a, there's a method to my madness, as they say. Mark, you're so cocky. I know I'm not. Not in the least. I'm really not. But I want you to hear what he has to say. And then I want to challenge the media out there. What are you going to do about this in your own communities? New York Times, Washington Post, National Pay. What are you going to do? And I'll explain what I mean in a moment. Cut 14, go. So some of the anomalies that that citizen that that called the meeting with us uh, pointed out um, they noticed that there were about 93 people that were registered to vote or on the voter rolls. Uh, whether they cast a ballot or not, I, 
we're not going to get into that. Just the fact that they were on the voter rolls with the birth date of 1850. Um, there were 232 people registered to vote with an address um, to our local prisons. Um, there were 4,144 people uh, that were 90 years old and older. Um, there were 125 people registered to vote or on the voter rolls uh, that were registered to or their address comes back to nonprofit NGOs and different businesses. This, by um, the way, this is a small community. Go ahead. Hundred people with no first name, just a last name. Um, there were about 110 people that were possible double voters, basically the same uh, name, date of birth, address, but two different voter ID numbers. Um, people were voter uh, registered to vote at uh, various shelters and all that, and. We even found one person on the voter rolls by the name of Jesus Christ, which we found kind of interesting. Um, again, none of this proves that there is um, wrongdoing or anything like that, but that does indicate to us that we kind of need to, to take a closer look at what our, our voting system is looking like out there. And we're working closely with the Register of Voter. We've brought up these issues with her, um, and she's addressing those on her end, and we've, we're kind of developing a plan because our ultimate goal is to to restore people's faith in the voting system. And so, you know, we're creating a, a relationship with her. And a lot of times people come to us and they say, hey, um, you know, what can we do? Well, my recommendation is create a relationship with the register of voter, with your local sheriff, with your board of supervisors, you know, with your DA, and just make sure that your county, whatever you live in, is secure as much as it can be. How much you want to bet this is going on all over the United States? How much you want to bet it's going on in the major metropolitan areas where millions and millions of people live? That's why we don't believe that it was the cleanest election of elections in 2020. How is that even possible? When I hear that you don't have any evidence of fraud, I say to myself, that's the evidence of fraud. How can you say there's no evidence of fraud? There's got to be some fraud. And yet the media never find it. And yet the, the Department of Justice under Bill Barr didn't find any. And yet state attorneys general didn't find any. County prosecutors didn't find any. Because they didn't look. And this sheriff's looked. The dirty little secret is the voting rolls are filled with fraud. They're filled with people who are double registered. They're filled with names of dead people. They're filled with phony names. They're filled with them. And the Democrat Party, for some reason, does not want these lists cleaned up. And when you try to clean them up in the major cities, where so many of their uh, the voters in the base live, they accuse you of voter suppression. Why does the Democrat defend? Why do the Democrats? And their lawyers defend phony voting lists if they're not about fraud. Why do they oppose voter ID if they're not about fraud? Because they are about fraud. The media know it. Chuck Todd knows it. George Stephanopoulos. They all know it. It's a little county, relatively, population-wise, in California. You will find this on voting rolls all over the United States of America. So here's my challenge to Maggot Haberman. And what's that guy's name? 
silly bump and all the other fools, frauds, and phonies. Why don't you take it upon yourselves to look at these voting lists in the counties, every county in the country? Take the months that it takes, the time that it takes. Why don't you look at them and tell us what you find? Because you're going to find exactly what this captain found, this sheriff found. It's all over the country. That's what's taking place. And there's no question about it. How do I know that? Because there's legal organizations now, nonprofits, that don't get the attention they deserve, including Landmark Legal Foundation and others. J. Christian Adams Group. They've looked at this and they have found it. It's a non-story, though. No story. That it's real. Be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, this didn't take long. Jen Pasaki gets a hosting position. Did you see this, Mr. Producer? Rachel Maddow is teaching her how to use the teleprompter. This is from DNYUZ. It's kiss, kiss up. So far with mixed results. Mika Brzezinski offered tips on pinning down squirrely guests. You mean like her husband? Nicole Wallace invited her to editorial meetings, and Andrea Mitchell is tutoring her on interviewing techniques. But is she an idiot? This Pasaki? Jen Pasaki spent the last two decades jousting with journalists. She's about to find out what it's like on the other side of the anchor desk. Can you believe this? How fast they move her into a new slot? Less than a year removed from her perch, Pasaki will become the host of a weekly MSLSD talk show on March 19th. I hope they put it up against me. Please. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. But no. It's going to be Inside with Jen Psaki. It'll air Sundays at noon, vying for the same weekend cloud as, as Meet the Depressed and Deface the Nation. Nobody's watching this crap. Nobody's watching any of these morons. I think that's a good thing, but it's a way to shuffle money into the grifter's purse, may I say. I think I did. We salute all you heroes out there. Thank you. I want to thank you and the audience. The best of all audiences. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the radio and the podcast.